Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which helps you lead where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. I welcome this week Ken Samples. Ken is Senior Research Scholar at Reasons to Believe, a ministry whose mission is to spread the gospel using sound reason and scientific research. They're based in Covina, east of central Los Angeles. A philosopher and theologian, Ken has a great passion to help people understand the reasonableness and relevance of Christianity's truth claims. Uh, as I said, he's a senior research uh, scholar at Reasons to Believe and the author of several books, including Christian Endgame, Seven Truths That Change the World and God Among Sages. His own uh, focus is especially in philosophy and theology, concerned to encourage believers to develop a logically defensible faith. And he challenges sceptics to engage Christianity at a philosophical uh, worldview level. Uh, Ken, for seven years, worked as a senior research consultant and correspondence editor at the Christian Research Institute and regularly co-hosted the, uh, the popular call-in radio programme, The Bible Answer Man, uh, in those days with Dr Walter Martin, a programme still available on podcasts in the UK, though with a different host. He's been a guest on The Unbelievable Show, uh, which is on premiere on sun Saturday afternoons, and is in the UK for The Unbelievable Conference held in, in mid-May. So welcome, Ken. To Thank from. you. It's a real pleasure to be with you. Super to have you. Um, in fact, it's welcome back. We did. Um, we've. Uh, if you go back in the archives, yes. I think we've. We have spoken before. We're going to have a slightly different angle uh, on this occasion. Um, but just to remind uh, for those who perhaps uh, remember you from those days, you're, you're an experienced apologist for the faith. But your journey to getting to that point where, you know, you've, yes. you've thought about these things in order to explain them. Well, um, I grew up in what I think would be uh, somewhat of a nominal Roman Catholic mm. family. And um, I think in college, I began asking deeper questions of what's my purpose and meaning in life. And um, reading Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis had a yep. big impact upon me. And so uh, I began to take my faith seriously in college. And almost immediately, I began to see the importance of thinking deeply about my faith, comparing and contrasting my faith with people who, of other religions or no faith at all. And so I decided philosophy was uh, a, a good field for that. That led to uh, degrees in philosophy and theology and history, and um, ultimately uh, engaging in writing books, uh, engaging in debates like uh, my time with Justin Brierley. And so I've uh, been doing uh, Christian apologetics uh, for about 30 years now in a, in a professional context. I have to uh, just to mention the Bible Answer Man, because I do I have listened to it with, with Hank Hanegraaff. Yeah, sure. And, and I, I mean, listening to it from a UK perspective, I, I can't imagine a same sort of show in the UK. Uh, because, really? Because there isn't that level of... Um, engagement and questions and perhaps a breadth uh, of, of of Christian view that you have. The, the, the culture wars seem to be greater in the States and a, a sense of this, this is right and this is wrong and we'll, you know... Um, uh, I think that's I, I think that's right, and that's my impression as well. Mm. I, the United States is, in many respects, a very religious country, mm. 
people have deep connections to the Bible. And I might say a very difficult show to do and people yes. asking yeah. you different questions Absolutely. about the Bible. Um, but yeah, I think I think America. Somebody once said America and Great Britain are two countries divided by a common language. Yes, so indeed. We have yes. different cultural yeah. conflicts. No, sure. And and uh, Christianity has a lot lot of in, lot in common, but also yes. a different different flavor very much. Okay. Um, well, I mean, you mentioned C.S. Lewis as one of the thinkers that have helped you. Were there others in those days? Yes. Uh, obviously, uh, Scripture is the, the Christian hmm. voice that speaks to me. Outside of the uh, Bible, I would say three Christian thinkers have had a big influence on me. Uh, St. Augustine of Hippo, the right. great uh, early uh, Christian thinker. Blaise Pascal, who was both uh -huh. scientist and Christian thinker. And then, of course, C.S. Lewis is the hmm. one who kind of awakened me to yes. what what the essential Christian element was all about. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we talked about the UK and the US, and, and the UK church faces a big challenge. The battle for faith in the public square is ever fierce. Uh, many churches are aware uh, that the ignorance about, uh, is, uh, about the Bible, and so church leaders who've been trained to explore Scripture and exegete Scripture and preach it are faced with a congregation often uh, particularly uh, those who are not yet believers, yes. who aren't who aren't wedded to that understanding, and and therefore they you know people are saying, but but is there a God or um, but is the Bible really true? You know, uh, I mean we have a very popular Alpha course in the yes, UK, right. but that assumes an awful lot. I mean it's been you know the Lord's used it wonderfully, but. Um, the presuppositions are that there is a God, there's a Bible, and and we're talking right. about faith. So, how would what would your advice be to Christian leaders who who are aware that increasingly, particularly the non-believers coming, are coming with very very little? Yes. How can they improve their apologetic approach? Are there people to re read or uh, approaches to take? Um, what would your feel think? Yeah, I, you know what I think one way of looking at this approaching of this is very fruitful and that is thinking about the idea of a worldview that mm -hmm. there are people who come at reality uh, a worldview is your kind of big picture view of reality uh, it's a cluster of beliefs about god the universe ethics meaning in life i think that that can be very helpful uh, because when you think in a worldview context, you can kind of step outside yourself and say, well, what would an atheist say about that? What, what's their view of morality? Uh, or maybe the Eastern mystical religions or, or even Islam. How do they kind of come at these hmm. questions of meaning or God or purpose? And so I try in the United States to encourage pastors to kind of think worldviewishly um, and, and to be sensitive to the idea that not everybody has grown up in a Christian home. Not everybody has uh, a basic knowledge of Scripture. They're really kind of coming at it from much more skeptical. So I think worldview uh, can be very meaningful and purposeful. And, and that give, everyone has a kind of a prism or a, a pair of glasses that they look through. That, that can be a helpful means, I think, of understanding why people believe what they do and how it's different than what we believe. Right. And uh, Francis Schaeffer was, was one man who, of course, exactly. classically yes. was, I mean, American, of course. But, um, and there's, there, there, are, there have been others who have been particularly, is it Douglas Grutuis? Yes, Doug Grutuis. He's Grutuis. a colleague of mm -hmm. mine. 
uh, has written about worldviews. And I, I, I just think it's it's helpful because it, it helps us understand other people. It also gives us an ability to compare and contrast the different views and weigh them. Well, which one is more coherent or which one explains hmm. uh, the, a greater element of reality? So uh, Schaefer and others in advocating kind of a worldview perspective. I think that's fruitful for us. Right. And of course, it's something classically the Bible was doing. Um, the Apostle Paul, yes. Acts 17. Yes. He was yeah, very aware. Greeks, uh, here is a Christian perspective. Here, Here's what the Greco-Roman culture thought. Uh, I think Christians uh, have largely been doing that for, for centuries. Yeah. Are, there, are there particular churches in the U.S. who you think have um, modeled this helpfully in terms of grappling with with those level of issues, or, or at least having a ven- having uh, an avenue for people to explore them, I, I, you know, I think that uh, I, I think there are, ha- are Christian theological traditions that do a better job of kind of bringing head and heart together. Uh, you know, there have been times where Christians have been somewhat anti-intellectual, feeling mm. like too much thinking kind of takes you away from the faith. But, but I think that when we look at historic Christianity, wh- whether it's in the ancient world, the medieval world, or, or in our present time, I, I, I think historic Christianity has done very well at saying it's important to love God, not just with your heart, but with your mind. And faith and reason are compatible. Um, and I think some, uh, some both Catholic, Orthodox, and Protestant churches, I think, do that uh, pretty well. Um, obviously, science and faith are at times seemingly conflict, and and that's that's largely what I do through reasons to believe, saying that uh, faith and reason are allies, not enemies. Right, right. And um, do you find you have access generally to the broader range of churches in the U.S. or are there areas and pockets which uh, tend to be, like you've just said, anti-intellectual and don't? I, I think that uh, I, I think we have our share of anti-intellectualism. I I think at times the people are well-intentioned. You know, they they think if you're you're too skeptical or too educated, you may fall into the skeptical areas. But I think historic Christianity generally has argued that. And, and I mean, think of the great thinkers: uh, Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, Anselm, uh, Pascal, C.S. Lewis. These are people who who don't lack devotion, uh, but they have a, a tough, tough-minded uh, as well. And uh, so we have our pockets of anti-intellectualism, but I like to challenge them to love God with their entire being. And the mind is a, is a special gift from God. Yeah, and you know, renewal of the mind is you know, the heart of our... Romans 12, yes. Yeah, very much so, good. Um, so we're, we're coming to, to a break, but we're going to um, perhaps after the break look at... Uh, where um, we as a, as, a, as a nation are increasingly a multi-faith nation. And so I want to talk to you about the the challenge that is, is faced of understanding better. And you've obviously written on this, so we'll, yeah. we'll look at that after the break. So you've been listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. Um, Ken Samples is my, uh, is my guest. He's the Senior Research Scholar at Reasons to Believe. He was uh, formerly the uh, Senior Research Consultant and Correspondence Editor at the Christian Research Institute. We'll be back just after this. 
Welcome back to the Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Ken Samples. Ken is a senior research scholar at uh, Reasons to Believe, a ministry whose mission is to spread the gospel using sound reason uh, and scientific research. Um, we were talking before the break of uh, a little of his journey to uh, being interested in apologetics and of the importance and need for church leaders to uh, engage with particularly the, the kind of worldview of, of those that they're, they're seeking to address. Some, of course, coming from a, a, the classic atheistic maturity Materialism, some with a, with some sort of faith, particularly in the UK, of course, in an increasingly multi-faith uh, context. And it's that multi-faith context I want to address with, with Ken now. Um, you've written, uh, Ken, uh, God Among the Sages and uh, A World of Dis- Difference. And you comp- compare and contrast the yes. historic Christian worldview with four other major worldviews. So perhaps you can explore with us those what those worldviews are uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, with a... With a um, the aim, obviously, of helping listeners to, to do that kind of work themselves. Yeah, again, a worldview is kind of your big picture view of reality. It's, it is your beliefs about the big questions of life, your view of God, the cosmos, morality, the, the human condition, all of those kinds of things. And, and I like to use the, uh, the analogy of a, a pair of glasses. Uh, we all look at the world and try to make sense of the world, and it comes through the lens of, of the Christian worldview. Uh, or through an atheistic, naturalistic worldview. Uh, But there are also other religious alternatives, uh, Eastern mystical religions, Hinduism and Buddhism, uh, Islam. Uh, Muslims not only think of themselves as their own distinct religion, but, but often their own Islamic worldview idea. And so uh, we, we have many voices, we have many interpretations about how to understand the world and how to understand what human beings, uh, w- where their meaning and purpose is and, and how to relate to the human condition. So I think thinking worldviewishly, again, is, is a very fruitful way of thinking. And we can step outside ourselves and say, well, what would a, how would a Muslim approach that? Or why do Buddhists and Hindus look at reality very differently than we do? And I think that that helps us not only maybe have some empathy toward people uh, in the world, to care about people in the world, but maybe to also understand that, well, there's some very serious differences, but we also have some common ground in morality. I mean, uh, Jews, Muslims, uh, Christians, Hindus, Buddhists, Confucianists have very common morality, kind of the second five of the Ten Commandments. That's a bridge that hmm. we can then begin to build and 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 also talk about the differences. Yeah. And certainly, in, I don't know if this is the case in the US, but in the UK, the interest and in study of religious studies has, has risen in the last decade yeah. or so. Not least, of course, because world events and, and some of the, the sadnesses of the atrocities happening even on our own shores sure. reminded people actually ideas matter and yeah. people who hold them passionately, uh, albeit in extreme sense, have, have nevertheless um, you know, acted upon these. And we need to understand that we're better. Yeah, I mean, you know, 50 years ago, if I wanted to talk with a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist, I'd have to go overseas. Uh, Today, in some of the large cities in in America, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, uh, you know, the people who were far away from the gospel at one point are now (laughs) very much, I I think of Great Britain, what what, uh, an amazing 
diversity of, of faiths and different perspectives that are presented. So, you know, we often bemoan these big questions. Well, what about the people who have never heard? Well, now we have great opportunity yes. to, to have real interaction, to have discussion, to have debate. And so, you know, I think both Great Britain and America have now become very diverse religiously and culturally. And instead of seeing that as a bad thing, I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great opportunity for conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the thinkers that have helped you with your with your books, um, God Among Sages in a World of Difference, have there been particular uh, Christian apologists that, that have worked in these fields that have helped you? Or? Yes. Uh, you know, I like classical Christianity. Uh-huh. I, I, I like to encourage people not just to... C.S. Lewis said, for every contemporary book you read, two, read two old books. I mean, I like reading The City of God and huh? St. Augustine's Confessions because Augustine was trying to unpackage the challenge of the Greco-Roman world, okay. how Christianity related to that. Uh, medieval Christian thinkers like Thomas Aquinas and uh-huh. Anselm are trying to show us how faith and reason and are are compatible but there are plenty of really great people uh, uh, today uh, in philosophy your own Richard Swinburne here in Great mm-hmm. Britain uh, Alvin Plantica uh, in America uh, and and various other people that that are helpful in kind of showing us how the Christian worldview is not only coherent but that it, it, it seems to be able to explain so much of the realities of uh, of our life and and of course my colleagues at reasons to believe in science have been a great help to me right right um i mean you call the ministry reasons to believe um in the uk church we've had christian leaders perhaps for the last decade uh, saying actually people are not interested in quote reason anymore um the, the current kind of postmodern outlook is well we've all got our own realities uh, it's all about experience and what works for you you can have your faith i'll have mine uh, and so the, the kind of idea of reasons has has in some people's minds yeah. been reduced i don't know how you find that in the states how you uh, you know marry the two the, the kind of reason and experience sort of side of things yeah well i think you're right i mean i i think that the idea of of uh, relativism as applied to truth every people have their different truths or relativism applied to morality, that people have differing perspective on morality. But the only way to kind of unpackage that, I think, is to draw very careful, logical, reasonable distinctions and and also to explain that, you know, faith and reason are compatible. The Christian perspective is that, um, you know, uh, faith involves knowledge. I mean, to be a Christian, you have to know certain things about the person of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. So so uh, faith is not blind. It always has an object. Moreover, there are reasons why we think Jesus did rise from the dead, reasons why we think he was the Messiah, uh, that he was not just another religious leader like all the rest. So it's certainly true that uh, Christianity involves more than merely the rational component, but I think reason is a, an amazingly good tool to be able to help us discern uh, right from wrong, good from bad. And uh, I mean, postmodernism as a philosophy, uh, right. it, it has been you know, quite popular. Perhaps some listeners are thinking, oh, I'm postmodern, what are you talking about? But but actually, in reality, people don't live as postmoderns, do they? They live 
in the in the world in which they live, and they they reason things together in their relationships and in life. You know, I'm not wanting to dis and, and dis, disrespect philosophies who believe in postmodernism. I'm just saying it's it's a very almost an intelligentsia kind of concept that most people, the man on the street, is is functioning very differently. I th- I think that's right. I mean, uh, I'm willing to grant that maybe there has been an overemphasis upon reason at mm. times and not appreciating more of the uh, the heart areas of life. But uh, I, I think your point about practicality or livability, I mm. mean, uh, when it comes to the taking our medicine, we don't think everybody has their, you know, their own, <laughs> yes. their own medical truths. Yeah. There's a certain objectivity and rationality. And I think it's important, especially to use reason when we're trying to discern mm. uh, right from wrong and what's true from what's what's false. And mm. Um, you know, there have been times, again, where Christians have maybe overemphasized the rational side of life, but there's also been times where we haven't emphasized it enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, as we're coming to a close, Ken, just, just in terms of your own future with as a senior research scholar at uh, Reasons to Believe, how does the, uh, you know, do you have kind of things that you have on, uh, on, on your desk waiting for you, you know, areas that you're p- passionate about? researching or does it kind of is your agenda shaped by the ministry itself how does it kind of work well i'm kind of the oddball on the scholar team and then okay. i'm the non-scientist and i i kind of uh sometimes reach back into my past of okay. dealing with religious groups but uh, my book uh god among sages gave me an opportunity to go on justin Brierley's show mm. and dialogue with a buddhist and then dialogue with a hindu uh, so I love that opportunity to be mm. able to do that. So, um, uh, so a good bit of what I do has to do with faith and reason. But I also like to bring to bear that just as people are interested in scientific questions, one of the burning question is why should I pick Jesus in light of Buddha, mm-hmm. Confucius, and Muhammad? So I like to do that as well. All right, all right. So have you got? Uh books coming up that you're working on? I I just finished a book where I look at nine uh, of the best Christian thinkers and what they have to offer from the past that can be helpful to us and meaningful to us to today. I'm also working on a book with uh, my colleague Fazrana on transhumanism, which is, uh, again, this idea of taking scientific technology and uh, kind of looking toward the future. So those two books are keeping me pretty busy. Well, and is is the kind of robots a part of that? Uh, and all of the technology mm. of, is it possible that we can uh, overcome death. I mean, the president of Google says we can we can solve the problem of death. I'm not terribly optimistic <laughs> about that, but it is kind of a humanism 2.0, if you will. Right. It's destined for every man to die once and then to face judgment. That's I think, right. I think I've yeah. read it somewhere. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, terrific, uh, Ken, for uh, you know chatting with us. Thank you for for making it. Um, uh, understandable for, for a non-philosopher like myself. Much much appreciated. So you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. Uh, I'm joined by Ken Samples, Senior Research Scholar at uh, Reasons to Believe. You can go to uh, the Reasons to Believe website, which is uh, reasons.org. That's right. And you can uh, find uh, Ken's book, including uh, the book... Uh, 
uh, God Among Sages, which we've we've kind of hinted at, um, and uh, other other of his writings that are, are there. Uh, do log on to Premier's own website and listen to archive versions of Elegiac File, including this one in due course. You can go to the Premier shop and uh, get a copy of my book, The Leadership Road Less Travelled, which uh, reflects on my views on leadership and particularly uh, some of the guests I've had over some 11 years or so uh, that I've been uh, running the show. So look forward to your company again next uh, Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premiere. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 